This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seib, and it's time for another weekly wrap-up. It is freezing out where I am. It's going to get to be about 6 degrees Fahrenheit today with a wicked wind chill, so I am glad I am inside, although my little heater over there is working overtime. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, including uh, YouTube stories and how I'm going to start posting some behind-the-scenes stuff on there. I'll show you what that looks like in a second. Article 13 in the EU is starting to lose some steam. We'll explore that briefly. Uh, the Ring doorbell is back in the news with me because of some new privacy concerns about how they are treating recorded video. Native advertising and how people are still being confused by it. CRT prices and whether or not they may begin to rise as more and more enthusiasts want to get their hands on this dying technology. Uh, there are some dueling documentaries on the Fire Festival that I wanted to talk about. And I'm also going to talk about why we don't cover that many smartphones on the channel either. Lots to do here, so let's get to it. Now, before we begin, I want to thank our newest supporters here on the channel. And we got in another anonymous Gold Level supporter. Uh, you might hear from some of these folks a little bit later in the year, but I want to thank them anyhow. They knew who they are for their support of the channel. I also want to thank everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, along with everyone who watches on an ongoing basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. Now, we have a little ad this week from Silicon Dust, the makers of the HD Home Run, uh, because they are doing a giveaway through this channel of a couple of things that you might uh, like to get your hands on to do some cord cutting. Uh, so this giveaway is going to consist of a four-tuner uh, HD Home Run Quattro box. Uh, you'll get a year of DVR service, but you'll have to provide your own server, but we've got plenty of videos on that. And you'll also get an HD frequency long-range antenna that you can put up to get your TV signals in over the air. And this giveaway is going to end on Sunday evening at 11.59 p.m., so definitely get your entries in as soon as possible. Uh, but note, this is U.S. only, unfortunately. I'm always on the lookout for more giveaways that we can do across the globe, uh, but this one is just limited to U.S. audiences. And again, you can sign up at the link you see on screen here. And we're getting back to my usual schedule, so we have some stuff up on the Extras channel. And I unboxed a new mini PC from a company called Pepper Jobs. And this is a little device that uh, looks a lot like many of the other mini PCs we've looked at, but they're focusing on trying to squeeze as much performance out of the Gemini Lake chips as possible. Uh, this one has an N4100 chip inside of it, and they put a big enough heat sink on there that they claim will uh, result in no thermal throttling because it can keep itself cool enough to run at its full speed all the time. Uh, we're waiting on some RAM to come in so we can do a proper test of it, but I do hope to get this review up a little bit later this week, so you'll be seeing that shortly. And then on the main channel, we had a couple of things to look at. Uh, we reviewed the Lenovo ThinkPad X1. 
Uh, we also looked at Barnes & Noble's cheap Android Nook tablets, and you can get both of them there for less than 300 bucks with the keyboard case. Uh, they're not all that great from a quality perspective, but it was worth looking at because they do run the regular Google Play Store, unlike the uh, Amazon devices we have tested in the past. And then in the middle there, we reviewed a 98-foot HDMI cable. Now, normally I get some of these things in through the Amazon Vine program, and I usually just do a written review on Amazon. But this one intrigued me because they integrated a fiber optic transmitter and receiver into the cable, and it actually works really well. It supported all the 4K stuff. It didn't have any real latency involved with it. And one issue that I brought up in the review was that it didn't seem to have any certification uh, for in-wall or in-ceiling ratings. And I wasn't really sure what those things were about, uh, but Mike Global here provided a really good explanation of why you want to look for ratings on these cables, especially if you put them in the wall, uh, because cables that are not rated uh, for wall or ceiling installation could release gases if they catch on fire. Uh, so you can read his whole comment there, which does make a lot of sense and something to think about if you are putting cables in walls for home theater or networking purposes. Now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 99 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And in this segment, I often like to talk about some new things that I'm doing on the channel, either from a business perspective or a content creation perspective. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about content creation because I've just started playing around with the YouTube Stories feature. And I thought I would show it to you real quick if you haven't seen it. So this sits inside your YouTube app, but what's nice about these little videos is that they don't uh, interfere with the rest of your subscription feed. So I can kind of just go through all the different stories that are showing up in my feed here and uh, watch them. If you tap on things, it'll go to the next one. Uh, these are not all channels I subscribe to, so YouTube is starting to try to find some recommendations of channels you may not be familiar with to uh, get them integrated into the mix. And again, I really like these because I can do a quick little video to subscribers without uh, getting your feed too filled with all of my stuff. I really like the fact that uh, these kind of sit in a separate area. And to create one, if you have access to this feature, is you just go to the little plus icon in the YouTube app and go to story, and you can add more to your stories here. So I'm just going to flip my camera around real quick and say, hello, we're shooting the weekly wrap up and talking about YouTube stories right now. And if I stop that, I can uh, just click post. They have some stickers and some other crazy stuff you can add to it. And then if I go over to my channel and go back to this thing here, unfortunately, they have it kind of buried in here for the creator. So it's hard to go in and, and find all of the uh, comments that are getting put on this thing. But you can see it's uploading my uh, current story there. I've had uh, over 5,000 views on my stories already, which is great. And these stay in here for like a day or two, and then they kind of disappear. So they're, they're kind of short-lived things. But I really kind of like this, actually, because it's a nice way to be able to reach out to the subscription base without clogging up feeds, and they're very easy and quick to make. I just wish it was a little bit easier to get uh, back to it to keep an eye on comments and that kind of thing. You can get more information about YouTube Stories on the link you see on screen. And in the news this week, it looks like the Article 13 effort in the European Union might be starting to fall apart. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the wrap-up. In a nutshell, the European Union is considering a measure to require every site or service that takes user-generated content to run an automatic copyright filter on that content before it is published to the rest of the site. 
that would be prohibitively expensive for smaller outfits that are trying to compete with the Googles and Facebooks of the world. And I think it would really uh, create an issue overall for basic fair use of content for commentary purposes and whatnot. And it looks like the European Parliament is having some difficulties coming up with some uh, means of getting this uh, final bill drafted. It was moving along at a pretty good pace, but it looks like now it's starting to hit some roadblocks. Uh, But this is not dead yet. It's going to uh, continue to be something we'll be keeping track of because I do think it will impact the ability of independent creators in particular to do what they do. I think it will strengthen the traditional media and it will actually do the opposite, I think, of what the European Union is trying to do, which is to put some brakes on Facebook and Google. It will actually make them stronger because they have the technology to do this copyright screening where other sites do not. Uh, So we'll have to see where all this goes. Uh, We talked about this in detail a few weeks ago, so I'm going to put a link to that video in the master playlist so you can see how U.S. law differs, uh, because here in the U.S., sites like YouTube have a safe harbor under the DMCA, which means that uh, they are not responsible for what their users upload, but they do have to act upon copyright Uh, takedown requests from uh, rights holders. And I think that's a better way to go about this. It's worked well for the last 20 plus years here in the U.S. And for some reason, the Europeans want to have additional restrictions put in place. Again, check out the article and check out the video. We'll put that down in the playlist. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And for those of you who have been following me for a long time, you know that I had a bit of an issue with the Ring doorbell uh, early on in its life cycle, along with an agency they hired called FameBit. And on the video where I described that entire debacle, uh, Rich Wilson the other day posted this comment about some additional issues now related to user privacy that have sprung up with the Ring doorbell. Now, before we get into what those issues are, you can check out the entire story that I have on FameBit and Ring uh, located at the link that you see on screen here. Briefly, what happened was FameBit, which is a influencer marketing agency, uh, reached out to me probably about three or four years ago now, uh, asking me to do a review of the Ring doorbell for $250. They wanted to pay me to do a review. And they indicated in the email they wanted the review to be a positive one. I, of course, refused to do that because that's not what I do. I don't do positive reviews for money. Uh, And I also disclose everything that I do so you know what the relationships are between me and companies. And uh, that wasn't something they wanted me to do. Uh, So we just kind of went our separate ways. But I ended up buying a Ring doorbell and reviewing it. And in the course of doing that, I kind of looked back at the time that I was made that offer and found that there were a lot of people who had uploaded Ring doorbell reviews. Uh, Most of those reviews were uh, essentially paid advertisements that were completely undisclosed to the viewer, and those videos are probably still up on YouTube to this day. I thought it was a very shady thing for both FameBit and Ring to do. Both companies denied that they were doing this on purpose, and they blamed the other. It was kind kind of a wacky story. Uh, But nonetheless, this was the kind of company that they were uh, and potentially still are. And oddly enough, both Ring and FameBit got acquired by bigger companies. Uh, FameBit was acquired by YouTube and is now an official YouTube influencer marketing thing. Uh, And Ring was acquired by Amazon. Uh, But the article that Rich was pointing us to is this one in The Intercept about how Ring has been treating videos that customer cameras are recording. So when you buy this thing, they talk about how it's encrypted and that nobody can see what your camera's recording. But it looks like uh, Ring was actually taking these videos and putting them into an S3 cloud bucket 
that was accessible to their developers in the Ukraine. Uh, no passwords, no decryption. They could just click on the video and watch it. And you can read more about this on the Ring uh, article on The Intercept. But to be honest with you, this story did not surprise me, given how shady their initial marketing of the product was. Uh, They didn't hold customers in high enough regard that they uh, thought they could get the product launched without undisclosed paid reviews. And clearly that uh, lack of respect continues into their own privacy practices. Now, I do think a lot of Ring's success can be attributed to some of the shady marketing they did early on in the product lifecycle, partly because native advertising, in other words, ads that get kind of integrated in with the rest of the content you might be looking at, is very effective. And Boston University uh, just released a study about this phenomena on their website, and you can take a look at it uh, on the link on screen here. They found that fewer than one in 10 people can tell sponsored content from an article, and this is on major media sites, not just uh, social media sites. So they cited the New York Times, for example, which has this uh, feature where they can have advertisers uh, either pay for a specific article or perhaps submit content themselves. It looks a lot like a regular article on the New York Times if you're browsing through their app. Uh, They will have this paid post up here and uh, some branding here for their brand studio. But for the most part, people aren't seeing this and are assuming that this is regular content. And if this is the New York Times, you can imagine uh, the influence that you can have on a social media site like Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. And if you look at this post that Kendall Jenner made right before the disastrous fire festival, uh, you can see just how undisclosed advertising can really deceive people. Uh, So here she posted uh, her very first post about the fire Festival to get people to buy tickets. And uh, she was paid $250,000 for what you see on screen here. Uh, This was probably taken very early in its life cycle. She had over 7.5 million views on the video on this particular Instagram post. And it only went up from there. And a lot of people ended up losing money that they never will ever get back. Uh, from this total disaster of a music festival that really uh, hooked into this notion that people can be very easily deceived by uh, paid undisclosed advertisements on these social media platforms. Now we'll have more to talk about related to the Fire Festival in a few minutes, but I did want to get to a couple of other questions first. Uh, this was a fun one from Travis P. in regards to old CRT televisions. He's wondering if I think old CRT prices will go up Uh, because a lot of old-school game consoles are creeping up. Uh, I would say maybe, and I think it will largely depend on what you're looking for. I think if you're just looking for a CRT TV to plug your game console into, those will always be around. I think you'll find people willing to give you them or pay you to take them, uh, given how much room they're probably taking up in basements and attics around the world. Uh, They're also very difficult to recycle as well, so there's not a lot of value to these televisions, uh, even for recyclers who might want to try to get some of the electronics out of them. Uh, But I do think they're probably going to be perhaps the more coveted CRTs, like some of those really nice Sony televisions that the retro gamers like myself like, uh, and also some of the arcade CRTs may become harder and harder to find. And that might, of course, impact how uh, these 80s arcade cabinets, for example, hold up over the long term. So I do think we'll see perhaps some types of CRTs getting very expensive, but many others uh, remaining free as time goes on. Uh, There's a really good article about this issue in The Verge. It's a pretty long and good read. 
uh, about all of these issues related to cost and availability, recyclability, and of course the retro game preservation movement as well. Great article. Definitely check it out if you are a fan of old tube TVs uh, like I have become, given how uh, great they work with my old school game consoles. And this next question comes in from frequent viewer Link Designs about why I have looked at most of the recent iPhone releases, but never looked at one of the higher end Android phones. And there's a very good reason for that. It's cost. Now, the iPhone is the phone that I use personally all the time. Uh, This is the first time in 10 years that I have not upgraded my iPhone. I got the iPhone 10 last year. We had a review of it and I didn't get the iPhone 10s. Now I ended up buying one for my wife for the holidays, but it was so long past its release date that if I did a review of it, it would get probably next to no traffic. And that's the reason why I don't look at a lot of these popular smartphones often. I did the iPhone just because I was buying it and I do reviews for a living, so I may as well get one up. I do really well with the iPhone reviews within the first day or two of release. And then after that, when all the other larger channels get in with their reviews, I am just knocked right out of search contention and my video pretty much dies. So for the most part, I've kind of stayed away from a lot of these smartphone reviews just because I don't have a good opportunity to be competitive in that space. It's just something that's hard to break through. It's hard to break into gaming, for example. It's also hard to break into uh, the smartphone market, just given how many reviews are out there and how much competition there is for the topic. Now, this doesn't mean I don't want to cover smartphones. In fact, I am always interested in finding phones that other channels are not necessarily looking at in detail. I really like inexpensive phones that deliver a lot of value. Uh, So whenever I have the opportunity to look at a phone like that, we'll try to get one and put it up. Uh, So I'd love to hear some thoughts from you on those ideas. Uh, One phone we will be looking at soon is this one called the Atom from a company called Unihertz. Uh, They came up with a really tiny smartphone a couple of years ago. This is the update to it. I haven't even unboxed it yet, so we'll be doing that on the Extras channel shortly. I've had it in-house here for a while. Uh, It looks like a pretty cool little device that is really, really tiny. Uh, So I'm very eager to take it out of the box and start playing around with it. And this is the kind of stuff I am looking for. It's just inexpensive or really unique. And that is uh, what I am hoping to find more of. So what I'd love to get from all of you are some ideas Uh, for smartphones that I should be looking at that may have uh, just not come to my attention or something that you're interested in seeing. One of the challenges, though, with smartphone reviews for me is that I'm in the United States. So a lot of the phones that you see on GearBest and uh, Banggood and all those other uh, import sites don't often work here. So even though those phones look really cool and are very inexpensive, uh, they don't support the frequency bands that U.S. carriers Uh, offer here. And as a result, I can't test the full phone if I can't get it onto any of the major carriers here in the U.S. So let me know down in the comments below what looks cool to you. And we'll take a look and see if we can do a review coming up in the near future. Now, our pick of the week this week are two documentaries on the Fire Festival that I referenced a little bit earlier. If you haven't heard about what happened here, watch one of these two and you'll get the full picture. It just shows you how broken influencer marketing is and how undisclosed ads can lead to significant harm, Uh, in this case financial harm, but it could have resulted in far worse than just financial harm. Now, these are on Hulu and Netflix. Now, of the two, I think the Hulu documentary was better in that it covered more of this fraud than the Netflix one did, and there's a good reason for this. Uh, The Netflix documentary was produced in part by the marketing agency that was promoting the Fire Festival in the first place. 
Now, the Hulu documentary is not off the hook here. I'll talk more about its issues in a minute. But I got the sense from the Netflix one that a lot of the agencies that were involved said, oh, well, how would we know this was going to end in disaster? I mean, we were just tired to promote the product. And, you know, there's people that promote cars that explode and they don't get into trouble with this stuff. But what becomes clear from the Hulu documentary is that they did know this was going to be a disaster. And yet they continue to promote it. Uh, through fake posts, through aggressive marketing, and uh, really trying to extract as much money from these people coming to the festival as they could, even though they knew it was never going to happen. And I thought that uh, the Netflix documentary was a little bit tainted by the fact that the people producing it were involved in the story in the first place. Now, the Hulu one is not off the hook because they paid the villain of the story, Brian McFarlane, the guy that led this entire fraud, Uh, They paid him to sit down for an interview. They haven't disclosed how much it is, but I think it might be north of $100,000. And he provided nothing new to the story because he couldn't talk about half the stuff that uh, went on with it, primarily because he was about to be uh, sent to jail. And I think he was on trial at that point or had just finished up one of his trials, and he still has a lot of civil cases hanging over his head. Uh, So, yeah, they paid him to be in the, uh, the documentary they were doing on Hulu, but I think... Uh, The story was not well told through Netflix, given that I think this really acted as a way for the marketing agencies to defend themselves and make money from the story at the same time. Not cool. And unfortunately, a lot of people who were defrauded by this music festival will never see their money again. And thank God nobody got hurt, injured or killed in this uh, whole debacle because that could have very well happened. And you can see the potential for that uh, on both of these Uh, documentaries. If you want to dig a little deeper into what was going on with these two documentaries, there was a story on The Ringer that I thought was a good summation of all the issues that each of these has. Uh, You can see it there linked on screen. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things that I hope to get to. Uh, The first is I really want to cover these YubiKeys that I picked up at CES and show you how they can make your life more secure. So we're going to play around with those in the next couple of days. And I also picked up one of these at CES that I've been eager to play with. This is called the Anywhere. And if it looks like a light bulb, you are correct. It screws into a light and then you put in one of these smaller E12 LEDs on top of it. And it gives you the smart light controls that you've grown accustomed to on other devices, but it also has sensors integrated, uh, namely a temperature and humidity sensor, along with the ability for it to detect noises and act as a little burglar alarm too. So we'll take a look and see what this little thing can do. Again, I'm always looking for things that are a little different and off the beaten track, and this is something that's a little bit different than some of the other IoT devices we've played around with here on the channel. So that will be coming up very shortly. And then if we get our RAM in on time, we're going to take a look at the Pepper Jobs Mini PC and see exactly how it performs against some of the other Gemini Lake PCs that we've looked at. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution. We also still accept payments via Patreon as well. Uh, Those funds, by the way, go to the part-time help that I have working for me here on the channel. We actually have Uh, Two people now helping out with uh, posting things and evaluating products, and it's really helped make the workflow a lot more efficient and I think improve the quality of the content. 
Uh, so just know that those contributions go directly to payroll, uh, and I chip in a little bit as well to cover the difference, and uh, that is what those funds are used for if you're curious about that. Uh, we also have our relationship with Plex. It's an ongoing relationship with them. Uh, so if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a little bit of a commission, and we get a slightly larger commission if you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else with the links that you see on screen. We have other channels you can check me out on, including my Extras channel, where we unbox stuff and do supplementary content. You can find out more information about my audio-only podcast feed at lon.tv podcast. Uh, there I upload this show every week in audio format. I also put up interviews that I do from time to time there. And then if I have media appearances, I also throw those on there as well. So a lot of stuff that doesn't always make it to the YouTube channel. Uh, my Snippets channel has uh, portions of this show that are broken out into search-friendly snippets so you can more easily find things and share them with your friends. I also put up all of the individual visits from CES on there as well. Our, our help has been helping with that. Uh, and we also have my live streams at lon.tv slash live streams where I have archived all the prior live events that I have done and I will be doing more in the future, of course. If you want to get notified every time we do something here on the channel, I suggest you click the bell so that you can find out exactly when I upload something or go live. Uh, By the way, you don't get notified for stories, so you're not going to see a lot of those popping up on you, so don't worry about that. Uh, We also have my email list, which you can find at lon.tv slash email. It's a very occasional newsletter that goes out whenever I've got some news to share. Uh, We have my Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, where we also post a lot of video, so you can check out the show there. We have my Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group that has almost 600 members now all interacting with each other and me. It's a great place that I pop into a couple times a week just to see how everybody's doing. And then we have the store where I resell the things that I previously purchased here on the channel. And I just put up my two Nook tablets that sold almost immediately. And the reason why they sold so quick is that a bunch of you have subscribed to my store alert email. So every time I add something to the store, I push out an email to let you know that it's there. And we'll be selling more things as the uh, month drags on here. So stay tuned for that. Usually on the weekends when I have some time, I go through and get uh, some more items collected to list. And we'll have some more up a little later this week. So if you don't want to miss anything, definitely sign up for the store alert. And that is going to do it for this week's very chilly weekly wrap-up. I'm going to stay warm here and probably not leave the house for a couple more days, but I am going to continue working on content for you. As usual, please keep those questions and comments coming. All of those things are very important for helping me direct and focus my content. I greatly appreciate all of the feedback and all of your viewership and all of your contributions, and let's look forward to a very productive Uh, 2019 as I get back into my usual groove after CES and the new year. Until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, Anuj Zaveri, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more.
And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.